The Pure Jamie Milne Podcast. Where we have a dream to create a community full of happy, healthy, and knowledgeable people who create global positive change through sharing their journey. Tune in, saddle up, and listen in. Be inspired. Hello, friends. How are you? Welcome to the Pure Jamie Milne podcast, proudly brought to you by ARB Maruchidor, the leaders and authorities in camping, adventuring, and four-wheel driving on the Sunshine Coast. Today's podcast, I'm super excited to bring to you. It is about the topic of neural linguistic programming or NLP. What the hell is NLP? To my understanding, it is greatly misunderstood. Um, it's a topic of conversation that's been around for a very long time. Uh, there's lots of definitions of NLP, there's lots of different perceptions about NLP, and there's lots of different providers of NLP training, practitioner courses, master practitioner courses. And I think just to pay a bit of homage and a little bit of credit to those, um, to a couple of amazing people that certified myself and good friends of mine, I, I would like to bring to your attention the great work that Paul Elicio and Juliet Lever do at Evolve and Relaunch Your Life. Uh, their website is in the show notes, so you can have a look at some of the courses and things that they do, because I think being educated by a credible uh, authority and the governing standard is super important um, to the level of understanding and utilization of NLP. So to give you my opinion about NLP, uh, I think the definition of NLP can change dependent on who's telling you their, their assumptions about it or their perception of it and also who you're talking to because NLP to a high-performance athlete, NLP to a business owner or entrepreneur, NLP for personal development, for the, you know, the shifting, for the altering, for the changing of habits, um, constraints, uh, character defects differs between people. Um, so I think the definition as a whole can be a little bit different. It can have similarities, but essentially it can be very different. My definition of NLP, so when I'm often asked uh, what is NLP, my definition is it's, it's almost like the technology or the pursuit of excellence and or achievement. Uh, I would also use it as an example, or I would I would say in a, it is an example of how to model behavior. So modeling success. And if you've heard the saying, success leaves clues, it's kind of NLP is a framework where we can model in particular behavior and success of people that we identify as doing what we perhaps would like to do. So technology or pursuit of excellence and or achievement and modeling behavior. So neural linguistic programming. 
And essentially that can be seen as the reprogramming of your brain through language or the reprogramming of other people's brains. So people that you may um, work with. So changing the way we think, changing the way that you feel about those thoughts or the emotions that are a byproduct of our thinking. And then that will directly affect our actions, our behaviors, our decisions. So just to circle back briefly to the start and where NLP came from. So NLP was developed by Richard Bandler and John Grinder. They believed it was possible to identify the patterns of thoughts and behaviors of successful individuals and then teach them to others. So despite a lack of evidence to support it, Bandler and Grinder published two books, the Structure of Magic 1 and 2, and NLP absolutely took off. Its popularity was partly due to its versatility in addressing the many diverse issues that people face. And neuro-linguistic programming is a way of changing someone's thoughts and behaviours to help them achieve the desired outcomes for them. The popularity of NLP or neuro-linguistic programming became widespread since it started in the 1970s. Some of the uses beyond the things that I've already spoken about include the treatment of phobias and anxiety disorders and improvement of workplace performance and or personal happiness. Now, there are a lot of NLP practitioners who don't directly give credit or homage or honor or respect to the model itself. There's a lot of people out there that you would more than likely already know that are NLP practitioners and use a lot of the modeling and methods of NLP. And so some of those people would be Tony Robbins, majority of people, unless you've been living under a rock or under a boardwalk somewhere, you would know who Tony Robbins is. Kerwin Ray is another one, um, a uh, you know self-development, professional development leaders and authorities. So those guys are NLP practitioners. My personal issue I think I have with NLP um, is that sometimes it gets really dumbed down. Uh, so people water it down, they they overlook it, they potentially, I find <clears throat> a lot of people don't see the value in NLP. And then you've got the other party that overcomplicate NLP. So they use lots of big words and psychobabble to bend people's minds, and it essentially can make NLP not look very attractive. A lot of NLP, in my opinion, I was thinking about it the other day in the comparisons or the, the analogy I might use, is it's kind of like music. So you've got almost like the top 10 NLP methods and models, and a lot of people will utilize those. And then there's a whole heap of other stuff. So if we think about a band like the Beatles or Fleetwood Mac or um, or anyone really, the majority of people would know what their top 10, top 40 songs are and would almost get dis dissatisfied, frustrated, and 
you know, tired of those songs. You hear them on the radio all the time. But where a lot of the gold is, the gems, the songs that stick out and make a lasting impact on your life in a positive and profound way are the non-top 40 songs, the non-top 10 songs, the ones that are tucked away uh, on their albums. And that's how I think about NLP. Like the real golden stuff is not necessarily the most publicized stuff. So let's talk very, very quickly about some of the framework of NLP. So there is what we call the presuppositions of NLP. And I'll give you an example of a couple of those. There is a presupposition that the map is not the territory. And that is a saying or, or a header of a particular presupposition. So the map is not the territory. And what that means is how an individual or how you see the world isn't exactly or isn't actually how the world is. So that's based off a person's opinions, experience, what they've learned, what they've, and basically what we call the internal representation. So what the world means to one person is different from another, and it also means that that is not exactly how the world is. So as NLP practitioners and utilising the method of NLP, we can help to enrich an individual's map. We believe that there's no such thing as failure or mistakes. This is another presupposition of NLP. There is only feedback, and that helps you to navigate through your human experience, knowing that there is no such thing as failure, there is no such thing as a mistake, there is only feedback. So we can utilise that to learn from our past and um, to ensure that we can pre-frame or do better in our future. <sighs> we have uh, in NLP something that we call a submodality or to, we, we can increase our submodality. And modalities are essentially senses. So there's a number of methods, um, visualization techniques within the NLP framework that can help you, that, that you can use what we call your sensory acuity. So the utilization of sight, sound, how you feel, which is um, kinesthetic, uh, audio, what you hear, what you taste, and things like that, using your senses to give an experience a different meaning. And a really brief example is if you had a really shit situation that happened to you as a child or as a young adult, we can use that as a resource. Um, and say it was a PE teacher yelled at you one day, we can go back to that memory, we can regress back to that memory, we can make that memory really small, we can make it black and white, we can make it fade away into the distance and the PE teacher's stern tonality or the way he spoke to you can be watered down into more of a friendly sort of uh, way of communicating. So we can use our sensory acuity to change or gear the color and change, you know, the sounds, the smells, what you hear, how you felt and change how you actually experience that memory. I hope that makes sense. Within the NLP framework, we have anchors and we can create anchors on the body for changing states. So 
turning sensory experiences into triggers for certain emotional states. So what that means is we can essentially, let me give you an example of what I've done in the past with boxes. Um, As a boxing coach as well, I like to use anchors for my fighters. So they can, we can go back to a memory, go back to a time when they were really confident, when they were really relentless, when they were courageous, when they were brave, where they felt fit, where they felt strong, and they can, I can get them to relive that memory, and we can anchor that memory to a particular part of the body, so it's almost like pushing a button on your body as a trigger to elicit or to you know, bring forth that state, that feeling. So regardless of how afraid or nervous or scared or apprehensive or lazy or lethargic a a fighter might feel, they can fire that anchor and uh, change their state when they're ready. And so the more you bring that anchor, that that regressive memory, that visualization to life, the more powerful that uh, that anchor can be and that ability to um, to change that emotional state. We've got some well-formed outcomes in NLP. Uh, and I think this is really important if you're listening to this podcast to realize that when you work with an NLP practitioner, uh, above the awareness that you need about why you are there to see them or what is causing you know, what is the catalyst for seeing them, you want to walk away with some well-formed outcomes. So well-formed outcomes are like basically what 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 do you want? So what do you want from your time with that practitioner? So it must be about what you want, not what you don't want. So a lot of people will come in and say if they've got bad habits, they can't stop eating, they're overeating, they're binge eating, they will tell you what they don't want. I just don't want to keep eating all this food. I just don't want to be this size. I just don't want to be able to not fit into my pants or my dress. So it's not necessarily telling me what you do want. So knowing that as part of the well-formed outcomes, they these outcomes need to be positive. Um, we need to be able to utilize all of our senses. Um, and as mentioned before, that's your sight, your audio, your taste, your smell, and kinesthetically how you feel. There needs to be an ecological outcome. So ecological means basically how that affects you, how that affects the people closest to you, your important people, your loved ones, how it then affects your community, um, how that affects your state, how that affects the country, and then onto the world and things like that. The well-formed outcomes need to be under the person's control or under your control. So you can't have an outcome around something that you cannot control. So you need to have complete control of your well-formed outcome, if that makes sense. And it needs to be specific. Using NLP, we use the following representations, and I touched on those a little bit, uh, around sensory acuity, so all of your senses. So in terms of representations, it's establishing what, basically how, what is the best way that you can learn? Are you a visual learner? Are you an audio type of learner? Are you a a kinesthetic type of learner? Uh, Do you communicate in that fashion? 
um, that, so the representations are another integral part of NLP. We look at the method of rapport. Uh, Tony Robbins talks about rapport a lot, how to make or break rapport. There's uh, parts of rapport known as mirroring and matching. So if, if you are talking to somebody and you've developed rapport, you'll often find that you're, uh, you're expressing the same types of body language. So if old mate crosses his arms, you're more than likely going to cross your arms. If they scratch your nose, uh, their nose, not your nose, you'll scratch your nose and things like that. And then you can do a thing called pacing and leading, uh, which I could deliberately, you know, rub, rub my forehead, scratch my chin and watch to see if the other person is going to do it. And that will give me the indication of am I still in rapport or have I broken rapport? And rapport essentially is just the ability to develop skills um, to get along with somebody. Swish patterns. Swish patterns are utilised to change patterns of behaviour or thought to come to a, des to a desired outcome uh, and or limiting belief. So swish patterns help to change patterns of behavior uh, as well. And looking at the language model, and this is a hugely important part of NLP and one that I've found extremely beneficial and of value in my business and in my practice. So <clears throat> there's two types of language models that I like to utilize, which is the meta model, <clears throat> excuse me, and the Milton model. So we'll start with the, the meta model. So the meta model is a series of questions or asking questions to elicit resources and um, answers from a person. Um, so the meta model is asking questions to get specifics, to get tangible uh, logical, rational answers. So an example is if somebody is a kind of generalizing sort of person, so they'll say to you, oh, this always happens to me. Every time I do X, I always get Y. And so we could say to them, how do you know that to be true? Like, does it always happen to you? Like every single time you do X, you get Y or just sometimes or just when this happens. And how do you specifically know that it always happens? And so the meta model questions can be used to challenge a person's beliefs. And essentially what that does is that enriches their model of the world. The other language model we have is the Milton model love this so if you get time google and have a look at milton h erickson so milton erickson was an american psychiatrist and psychologist specializing in medical hypnosis and family therapy he was born at the beginning of the 1900s uh, and died in 1980 and the milton model is abstract and a lot of the time it's the opposite to the meta model. It's kind of artfully and visually different. So there's a lot of, you know, what is the purpose of this? What is the intention of this? Where it's a little vague and it kind of opens up conversation for another person. So it, it is very abstract. Finally, to sort of wrap this up, and again, this is a very, very swift overview of NLP. My one of my favorite components of NLP is modeling, 
how to model success and how to do what um, other people that you that you perceive as being successful, however that looks for you, how did they do what they do? And so basically modeling behavior, modeling language, modeling the way that they conduct themselves. Um, so that's an enormously important part of NLP, modeling. So if somebody comes to me and they're talking about, um, for example, they want to do uh, an ultra marathon or something like this, I would say to them, have a look at what somebody's doing or what somebody that has done it before you and how did they get there? Like, what did they eat? What was their training program? You know, what were their lifestyle choices? And even with business and things like that, I work with a lot of business owners and high-performance athletes and people that are really getting after life. So I will say to those people, I will suggest going out and finding somebody that is doing what you want to do and cultivate everything about them, um, from what they eat to how they conduct themselves, how they do business, and all of that type of jazz. So modeling success or modeling behavior. Remember the saying, success leaves clues. So it's a schnabbling and wrapping up a whole of those little gems and those little treasures that they've left along the way. So I hope this podcast has been helpful. I hope you can grasp a little bit of what neuro-linguistic programming is and potentially you might reflect and think, is this something that can, can support you in your life? Is this something that can add value to your life? Can this provide a segue, a bit of framework, some fundamental teachings, universal principles, um, for you in your life, and maybe it might even encourage you or urge you to perhaps do your own practitioner's course. And as I mentioned at the start of this podcast, uh, two of the leaders and authorities in the business, Paul Alessio and Juliet Lever, I couldn't recommend them uh, anymore. They they are just absolutely essential if you're deciding to go down this pathway. They take a full immersion approach to this, which I think is the only way to learn. Um, so I thank you for your time. I thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope it has been of value. And again, massive shout out to our amazing sponsors of the JMT Mind Gym and the Pure Jamie Milne podcast, ARB Maruchidor, and uh, have a fantastic day. The Pure Jamie Milne podcast. podcast.